Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this episode is Nobody Caribou. You might remember this guy as the guy that kept popping up on your Twitter feeds during the truckers convoy, the freedom convoy in Canada. He was the Bitcoiner on the ground, handing out the Bitcoin. Huge, such huge respect for what you did, brother. And thank you so much for reaching out and asking to come on the show. He did want to talk about other shit, but I didn't let him off the hook. I had him for an hour talking about what went down and how the feds got into his house to confiscate some of the private keys and the ramifications of that and where we are at right now with the whole procedure. I hope you enjoy this one. Please reach out to our man and uh, enjoy the last hour because we geek out on feet. I know a lot of you are out there on foot Twitter secretly. So yeah, stick around for that one. Before we get into the interview, I want to make sure you guys are stacking. And I've set up a little flow to this because you can stack with Coin Corner, Swan or Relay. Swan are US only, Coin Corner and Relay are across Europe. You can actually use Swan globally if you are looking for their private service and are looking to invest around $100,000 or more within one year. You will get a completely white, a complete white glove service for that. But then you want to take those coins off the exchange and consider coin joining. Some of them, if not all of them, completely up to you what you want to do. Play around with the technology. This is still new to a lot of us. You can use wasabi.io for that. I did have Max Hillebrand on the show recently talking us through the whole process. Like I said, I'd keep you updated to how it's going for me. It's going cool. I'm learning. I'm learning a great deal. And it gives you a nice kind of feeling once it's all done. It's a bit scary at the beginning, like making your first ever Bitcoin transaction, but you get used to it. Then get it onto a hardware wallet or a signing device. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten. They are there for you with a 5% discount if you use the code Bitten for the Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only hardware uh, edition hardware wallet. So now you've got it all completely safe. You've stacked, you've coin joined, and you've got them on your cold storage device. Get to a conference. Amsterdam is the next one up as far as I'm aware, middle of October. I'm really looking forward to being there and meeting a lot of you guys. Liberty in Our Lifetime is going to be in Prague, 21st to the 23rd of October, talking about parallel structures. And Pacific Bitcoin is going to be a huge party over on the West Coast with the Swan team. They're all going to be there, hanging out with the Swan team. Couldn't be much better. You can hit the links in the show notes or go to my link tree, which is in my Twitter profile, where I've got all the links for any discount ever that you plebs are able to grab. Consensus Network are on that link tree. So are Ungovernable Misfits. They are selling you books in as many different languages as possible and cool streetwear. 
I look forward to this episode with Caribou. Thanks for listening. We are recording with nobody, Caribou. Good to meet you, brother. Likewise. And we are here with Lauren. And Lauren is going to ask the first question. I, I'm not sure if you were aware of that, uh, but uh, this, is, this is how we roll. I love it. All right. So what, what do you have, Lauren? Uh, my question is, what's your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Bitcoiners. Look at that. The first one word answer you've ever had. <laughs> oh, she's got a follow up. I saw yeah, the finger. She's good. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is it the Bitcoiners? Because it's insanely gratifying to find a group of people who you don't have to worry about getting on the same page with all the things that matter because Bitcoin has self selected the people with the value set I care most about. And it's like you skip all the bullshit and you get right into the juicy stuff. And that is like something I haven't really had in my life before Bitcoin. So I think that's why. And Bitcoiners are the ones like Bitcoin doesn't exist without Bitcoiners. And so that is those are like the way Bitcoin um, spreads in reality. And they're also just the coolest humans I've ever met in my life. So, yeah. Great question, Lauren. Thank you. I got a question for Lauren. What? Do you consider yourself to be a Bitcoiner? I work on a Bitcoin podcast. But do you consider yourself? Yes, I consider myself a Bitcoiner. That's only because what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> she seemed very certain about that. She said, of course <laughs> I am. <laughs> so what, what, what do you, why do you, um, how do you come to that conclusion? What, what makes you a Bitcoiner? What do you think? Like I said, being on this podcast. Being on this podcast, yes. You've spoken to a lot, but yes. Well, yeah, pretty much exclusively. Yeah. Also, I have no roundness of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like you said, the, the Bitcoiners are pretty cool. So. And you're pretty cool? And I'm pretty cool, duh. But... <laughs> you seem pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Do you, do you have any uh, further questions? Well, what about all the cool guys you met at the conferences? Uh, we, we've well, we went to the conference in Biarritz, and then we went to uh, Peter's uh, football game, the Bedford game. We're going to Silverstone. We're going to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. We're going to Prague. Excited about that? Excited. Prague because I like Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Get a bit closer to the mic, Lauren. Yeah, that. and oh, sorry. Um, I like um Prague. I'm excited about because. I've never been there, and I also know what it's like. Amsterdam, I've been there, but I also want to go for the Bitcoiners, and I just feel really excited. Also for the um other thing you said about Silverstone. Yeah, Silverstone. Still, yeah. Sil- yeah, sorry, Silverstone. But for the racing. Yeah, racing. Oh. What? I just realized this is going to be my first time I'll go see racing. Yeah, first time go see motor racing. Bitcoin motor racing thing. Couldn't be better. Powerful. Yeah. Okay. Well, say goodnight, and then uh, we'll get on with the interview. Yeah. Goodnight, Lauren. Goodnight. <laughs> Good afternoon, I think. Um, is that... Uh... Yes. 3, 3 p.m. here. All right. Cool. 
All right, brother, we've got so much to talk about and we definitely want to get down the, the foot rabbit hole, uh, which is... <laughs> Not a common rabbit hole people want to engage with, so I appreciate it. <laughs> and a big shout out actually to Molly from Coin Corner uh, because I had Danny on one show, Danny Scott, who's the CEO of Coin Corner. And I floated the idea that because they also do um, mount socks, they, they make these cool socks out of uh, nice. Bitcoin memes. And he was talking about NFC chips and he's like, yeah, you could put NFC chips anywhere. I'm like, well, could you put some in your socks, Dan? So you could pay for coffee with your socks. Two days later, there was a little video of Molly, the head of marketing, <laughs> going down to the local coffee shop to buy Bitcoin with her socks because they just put in a little NFC chip in her socks. Foot Twitter, apparently. This is why it's a weird Bitcoin. place. This is a, yet another example of why I love fucking Bitcoin. <laughs> but she oh. posted that with her Bitcoin socks on and everything. And then Foot Twitter just like trolled her. She's like, oh shit, I had no idea there was a whole Foot Twitter out there. But there you go. That's I haven't, um, I haven't broken into that realm yet. I don't know if I want to, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I'd say I'd say stick clear. But yeah, there's all right. Well, let's start with what you did with the um the truckers convoy, the freedom truckers convoy in, in Canada. Uh, we were watching from this side of the pond. Well, those of us that were aware of what was going on, because I guarantee you those people watching the mainstream media, it was not hitting the channels. I don't know if you knew that, but I would call my parents in the UK who are avid news at 10 watchers, BBC, I'm like, yeah, yeah. What do you think's going? What do you think about what's going on in Canada? Hmm. What do you mean? Hmm. I said, oh, so let me get this right. You have no idea that there is thousands of trucks parked outside Parliament in Canada, protesting against the mandates that Trudeau has put in place. You have no idea this motherfucker's gone into hiding, and you have no idea that these guys. <laughs> aren't going to leave. And this is absolutely serious. You're like, no. I'm like, ah. so a Commonwealth country who's got a prime minister that's gone into hiding is not being told to you in your front room on your BBC. You know, they're like, it took about a week. They're all on the same team. Mate, all on the same team. And you want to, I can even level that up. People that were 40 minutes away from the epicenter of this. Didn't even know it was happening. Unbelievable. Yeah, like literally you could hear fireworks from downtown where I live and people around where I live at stores were like, oh yeah, we're not going to go down there. We heard there's terrible stuff going on. I'm like, guys, just fucking go. I'm there every day. It's incredible. You're missing out. This is like history. And, you know, the, the um, powers that be, I will give them this. They are very effective at manipulating people in the most sinister way but it you know so long as people's brains have been replaced with a tv there's not really much you can do other than wait until they experience so much pain that they're willing to see reality and get out of their little bubble so yeah it's i mean it doesn't surprise me but it is still surreal to even talk about that because it's it's stunning it is unbelievable and one of the most iconic pictures or little video clips that i remember seeing uh, you know, people, we, we can talk about the, the lady being trampled by the horse and whatever else. But for me, it was like the the community just turning up with the gas canisters. And oh, dude, that was amazing. 
<laughs> in real like, life, it's so much more crazy. <laughs> I'm watching that. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm watching that on the on the Twitter, on the feeds, and whatever else because I'm not ever plugging into mainstream media. And I literally like lump in my throat moment. It's like, yeah, this is this is what it's all about. Uh, if only more people could understand what is going on. Uh, but, but so few people are willing to open their eyes and it's just really so damn annoying. Um, so right, let, let's back it up. How did you get involved with this movement when it first started showing itself? And um, why did you, you know, hook into it as, as hard as you did? Yeah, so I live in Ottawa, Canada, which is the epicenter of where this was happening. And the first day of the truck, you know, there was kind of like a lead up period of a couple of weeks. You see a bunch of stuff. You never really know what's real. Like I have a really hard time appreciating anything I see on my phone is real until I see it in real life. Um, but it seemed pretty incredible. So I'm like, wow, you know, they're coming here to my backyard. I'm a 40 minute walk from downtown from Parliament in Ottawa. So I was like, well, obviously I'm going to go and see this for myself and see what actually manifests of this. And first day I went, I was blown away by it just the people, the vibes, um, you know, I, I started talking to truckers being like, why are you here? Like, why did you come here? What's your objective? How long are you staying for? Like, what's your plan? I was just so curious. And the more I learned about it, the more I was inspired to be like, wow, this is like, it was like after two years of feeling helpless, there's actually something that's worth my energy and that could actually hold some promise. So I was like, all right, I'm going all in. Like I'm, you know, I was pretty lucky with my work situation. I basically let my assistant know, like, I'm offline until further notice. I have to be part of this. I'll keep you posted. And uh, basically for three weeks, I was there every day. So as long as my body and brain could permit, um, I couldn't stop going. Like, it was so inspiring just seeing, like, everything. People from all over Canada um, coming and connecting, not really caring about any differences. Just essentially, it was a party for people who were claiming their freedom. And so sovereign people were coming from all over Canada, out of the woodwork to come to this place and be like, we are free. This is a free zone. We are here. We are respectfully letting these political parasites know that you work for us. This is how it works. You work for us. We don't listen to what you tell us to do, especially when what you're telling us to do, we know to be harmful. So all these people showed up talking to each other. You know, that, that's what really the pandemic stopped is people couldn't connect and talk to each other. And that's how truth gets deciphered, right? That's how mm -hmm. collective intelligence manifests through connecting with people. So, um, you know, and I'm seeing like little kids come with like bags with handwritten notes with muffins for the truckers. I'm like, dude, if these kids are doing that, I got to do as much as I can as well. Like this is a, everyone has to be all in. Like we need to go hard at this. This might be our only chance. So, so yeah, started going down, talking to truckers, realized that, you know, I don't think these guys and gals understand that the final boss for freedom, they're here for freedom, but they don't understand that the final boss is freedom money. You don't have freedom money. You don't have freedom. You will never have freedom. Um, so started orange, build some truckers, realized there were some needs that weren't being met. Uh, you know, like even just something as simple as coffee or a hotel room for a night or toilets or whatever, all these simple things. It was like, all these people came, these are masters of logistics and coordination truckers. Like don't fucking do mm -hmm. a siege battle with the masters of logistics. That's a silly thing to do. Um, but there were still, you know, some gaps. Like it was a loosely, it was like a, 
there wasn't central coordination. This was decentralized coordination at its finest. It was beautiful. It was like this organism that every hour learned what was needed, what needed to be done. It was just getting done. Um, ironically, there weren't any, there wasn't any money needed, which was super weird because everything was just getting done. People were coming like people, like one example of that. There's this area that developed, there was almost like camps that developed. You'd get like these groups of people, truckers and people coming in that would form these camps and they would build shelters, they'd bring heaters, they'd have food depots. It was like incredible. And uh, I met one guy, had his pickup truck, was unloading his pickup truck. There were propane heaters. Um, there was huge boxes of food, um, just a bunch of supplies, like thousands of dollars of supplies. He drove two hours to get there, was dropping it off, hanging around for an hour and driving back home. Just let that sink in. That was just a random dude. He wasn't, wasn't expecting a thanks or anything. He just wanted to be part of it, spend thousands of dollars and a lot of his time to just help. Um, and so, yeah, it was just this incredible thing where, you know, things needed to be done. I saw an outlet for Bitcoin to uh, reach the truckers and let them know that like Bitcoin is an important part of this. Uh, and then also knowing that the Bitcoin community is for freedom and is generous. It was like, well, maybe I can raise some Bitcoin to help get these coffees and hotel rooms or whatever. Uh, and then from there, it just snowballed into some crazy, insane thing that seemed like a blur um, and resulted in us being able to hand out uh, a shitload of Bitcoin to truckers, despite better attempts um, by those in power to illegally stop that flow. So I think it was a pretty big success, you know, not perfect, far from perfect, but uh, on measure, if I look back at it, I'm like, the universe nudged us with some pretty good luck for that to happen. And I think it was a good first showing, first template for what Bitcoin can do in an adversarial environment to get money to people who need it, who are being, um, oppressed from a government that doesn't want people to stand for their freedom. So, yeah. What was the, the feel on the ground when the news started breaking about the, um, what was the first coin? GoFundMe. Hmm. When GoFundMe was basically taken down and had all the money stolen. I mean, it was kind of, it wasn't, um, people weren't really talking about it. Like the, the, the central group that was kind of helping coordinate this was, you know, I was in touch with them and they were concerned about that and yada, yada, yada. But I think I didn't so much hear about it on the ground because people were just there having a great time and helping truckers and hanging out and literally having part, those parties every night. It was so insane, Dan. I, it's, it's so hard to explain. Um, you know, I wish I'm going to just plug something in my brain and, and extract all of the things I saw so that you could see it because it's like, oh my God, this is, no words can describe this. Um, but where, what I did see is every time the government took a step to try and um, extinguish the fiat rails, there was a giant uptick in the Bitcoin donations. So I was like, that's how I heard about it. It was like, oh shit, giant sums of Bitcoin are coming in. Oh, it turns out that they've there's another thing with fiat that broke down that's been corrupted. So that, you know, that was the way I found out about it most of the time. Um, but on the ground, it was just literally people weren't being sucked in. Those were people that weren't sucked into the digital sphere. They were in reality. They were having an amazing time. It was like all time experience on the ground. So there wasn't a lot of that stuff. When the emergencies that came out, there was a lot of fear. Like all the truckers I talked to were like, we don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of scary. Um, so that really, like, 
I saw this like collective psychology ebb and flow. Every time the government tried to do something, everyone went into fear mode, but then everyone was like, you know, stay the course. This is important. Literally, there's, we have nothing to go back to. This is what the trucker said. We have nothing to go back to. It's like, what are you new? Kill me? It's like, I have nothing else. You've already taken everything from me. Why would I? I have nothing left other than to be here and protect my family. I'm like, yeah, you can't fuck with that. You can't, right? Unless you physically, unless you break the law to physically remove them or kill them, these people aren't going to leave and they have enough supplies to last them a year. So it just basically, it got, they euchred the government and made the government cheat so hard that it showed their true colors. Mm-hmm. And that is a win. That's how you win. You're not going to overpower the government. You have to show how fucked up they're acting by making it blatantly obvious on a world stage. I think they succeeded. You know, it's not like that was the keystone battle to win the war. That was just the thing to give hope so that people continue the war at home by essentially civil disobedience and standing for what is right. And I think it's done that because we're seeing Canada shift. You know, everyone always says it's not because of the freedom combo. It's like, okay, I don't care if you think it was or wasn't, but clearly there has been (laughs) a shift in what's happening since then. And, you know, I think it was really important. Even the most ardent of Trudeau believers and COVID hysterics and, you know, call them whatever you want, must have been shaken to the core when the guy just disappears under the guise of, I've got COVID, I've got to go and chill out and my family. Like, I mean, what? What an embarrassment. That's the first thing I think of. I'm like, this is, it's literally like there's a teenage ego-driven child driving a car, smashing people, running people over, killing people. And yet we're like, well... We can't do anything about it. It's like, what? What is going on here? Is this real? This is, this seems like the most blatant illustration of insanity I've ever seen. And yet so many people are just sucked into this weird manipulated version of reality that they like, it's comfortable to think, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's like, it's not. It's convenient to not know the truth so that you can say that, but it's coming for you at some point, right? Like you already may have gotten the thing injected into you. You don't even know what that's going to do to you yet. But when you do, it's going to get messy because a lot of people are going to have some, I think, righteous anger and resentment and distrust in all institutions. And it really is a shame because this little child that's doing a shitload of damage has essentially destroyed people's relationship with doctors, has destroyed people's relationship with law enforcement, has destroyed people's relationship with any trust in the in the government process like this guy is just literally undoing decades and centuries of work that humanity has done to form some order and just because they have full power to manipulate reality through the digital world um it's allowed to be done and it's so i mean it's a wild time to be alive but it's also like it's kind of shocking when you take a step back and you're like whoa what is going on right now I mean, the, the question is, you know, always follow the money. Who are his paymasters? We all know he came up through the young global leaders program of the WEF. Yeah, and there's these Klaus's boy. Yeah. <laughs> then there are these close ties with uh, Cuba and Castro. And, you know, you look at the life of his father and the weirdness, quite frankly, of his mother and her relationship with uh, with the whole thing you know you're only one documentary from youtube away from figuring out a lot of things and you know making a lot of epiphanies yourself to think 
wow, this like there's something really rotten in Denmark going. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only, I mean, it's like when you see a wound and you're like, ew, what's that pus? Little do you know, the entire limb is festering and just rotten. And it's like, people don't realize how deep it must go for it to appear at the surface with that much obviousness, right? Like they don't want to, it's very inconvenient to start to dive into that. And, and one of the, one of my favorite things that I heard recently was someone asked me like, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and reality? About six months. Right. It's pretty, and it's getting shorter. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. It really is shrinking. Uh, are you aware of Matthew Errett? The He's a Canadian guy. I'm not, no. Dig into his work because he's deep, deep, deep down the rabbit hole of, you know, what, what's been going on in Canada ever since the uh, American uh, War of Independence and the so-called breakaway from, you know, mm. the, the deep state of, uh, of the Anglo world. How do you spell You'd... his last name? E-H-R-E-T. Errett. Okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, check it out. I've done a podcast with him. Uh, Kayvan Devani has done three. They're great episodes to to delve into, and I would urge you to reach out once once you're familiarized with with his work. Reach out because I'm sure you guys can spend many hours over a beer or two uh, putting the world to right, but then probably coming up with some kind of uh, answer and some kind of plan. And uh, nice. I, just... why, I honestly don't know how much room I have left in my brain. It's like, it's like I'm always teetering on the edge of overwhelm with like, I don't think our <laughs> brains can handle the digital age, quite frankly. I know mine is just like, you know, I really have to play digital defense to like mm -hmm. radically conserve my energy. Otherwise it just kills me. Like it just, everything sucks it out of you, especially if you're sensitive to suffering. It's like, oh my, I don't even want to know how nasty that is. I just want to fucking chop the limb off and then it's like. Let's start over because <laughs> we don't have to keep acknowledging how bad it is. Why don't we just start fixing it? You know, like it's the analogy I give is like you see a crazy wreck on the side of the road, bodies everywhere. It's gross. And people are just standing around. They're like, Ooh, I wonder how that happened. I wonder what velocity they took. I wonder like, it's like, why don't we just take the fucking cars out of the ditch? Like, why are we doing this still? This is silly. <laughs> Clean the wreck. Let's fix it. We know it's broken. Yeah, exactly. Can we talk about when the police came to kindly visit you that day? Because I remember that tweet, and uh, all of a sudden, because you were you were fucking brave, man. You were putting out videos of yourself handing out paper wallets around the uh, the truckers, and each time I saw this on Twitter, I was thinking, "Holy fuck!" Like he's being really brave. And then some truckers, some dudes, I remember one in particular, they were just chatting in the cab and your head pops up. It's like, hey, guys, <laughs> do you want eight grand's worth of Bitcoin? Right. This is what you do. Da, 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 da. And yeah. then you're gone. And they were like, who the hell was that? Like, you know, it's just uh, it, it was great. Um, but I don't know if you saw when I poked like I had actually met that driver to i had orange pilled that guy like a week before sent us some sats. so we had that's why i was so brief because we had i didn't we had context right but when i looked up i saw someone filming in and i don't know if you saw but in the video i'm like oh shit uh <laughs> well 
here it goes. <laughs> I just did it anyway. I think that's actually what docks me, unfortunately. Like I uh, had done a pretty good job at obfuscating, like, you know, keeping my Twitter identity separate from my real life identity. Because I've lived a pretty public life in the role that I was playing for this company. And uh, I think someone in Ottawa recognized me and doxed me. And that's how all the shit started. That's how they found me. And that's how, you know, all the stuff. But uh, yeah, it was quite, quite a crazy time. Okay. Man. So you oh, get yeah. a knock at the door, you, you were home or they were waiting for you. Like, how did it go down? Yeah, I'll give you the closeness on the story. But one thing I want to say is like, mm -hmm. I, the truckers were brave. The truckers sacrificed everything. And uh, I just mm -hmm. kind of like was inspired by them to do whatever I could. And, uh, you know, I unintentionally accepted an impossible job for a group of people who would hold me accountable for the rest of my life. It was not a, you know, <laughs> it was a great thing, but it was also like, fuck, I didn't want to do this. Um, but the, you know, at the end of the day, I was the one responsible. So someone had to do it. Um, yeah. So I'm literally in my house. There's a class action lawsuit trying to, trying to claim ownership over the Bitcoin. I'm in my house writing up an email to my <clears throat> lawyer saying, all right, these funds are under court order. I'm not going to break the law. Right. I wanted, I was very explicit with making sure like everything I did, I'm not going to break the law because I don't want to give them an excuse to just destroy me. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to have to break the law to get me. I'm not going to break the law. So these funds are under court order and the bulk of them had already been distributed. So I was like, all right, well, these funds are locked up. It's just going to be locked up for a period of time, but they're not lost yet because there's no, really what people were saying is we heard these horns, our feelings were hurt. Um, we're going to sue you because our feelings are hurt. That's really kind of what happened. And ironically, if the funds hadn't been given to the truckers, they actually weren't facilitating the truckers staying there. That's the funniest part, right? It's like, we're taking these funds because you're giving them to people who are honking, but they haven't gotten to the people honking yet. So they're not actually responsible for the honking. And, you know, from my understanding, it's like, you're supposed to punish the people who are doing the things. It's not illegal to honk. So, you know, I'm writing this email to my lawyer saying, these are all the funds that remain. I know they're under court order. It's going to have to go into an escrow, whatever. I'm summarizing this. Someone knocks on my door. I go, it's a FedEx guy. And I'm like, I didn't order anything from FedEx. This mm -hmm. is super weird. Um, I open the door. The guy's like visibly nervous. He was shaking. And I'm like, this is super weird. Hey, dude, what's up? He's like, are you Nick St. Louis? And I was like, well, I didn't order anything from FedEx. Like, why are you here? And then he asked me again. And I'm like, yes, I am. And then as soon as he asked, he dips. Someone grabs my arm. And basically, the, the Canadian equivalent of the feds are like, yeah, here's a, here's a search warrant. You're going to have to read this. And we're taking all your electronics. Holy like, shit. What? So the ironic part is that they broke the law because the funds they were trying to steal or take rightfully, according to their bogus warrant. I don't know if I, you know what? I was going to say, I don't know if I should be saying this, but fuck it. Um, ironically, they broke the law to take those funds that were under court order. And they knew full well they were under court order. So it, it just, it really just made them look real, especially bad. And my lawyer had a field day with what he wrote. Cause he's like, literally, you knew they were under court order. You broke the law to try and steal some, to try and take these things. So I live in a tiny apartment. It's 550 square feet, 12 officers, part federal, provincial, and city mixture of all came in here and basically forced me to unlock all my devices. And in the warrant, this is the creepy part. In the warrant, it says mild violence, mild force can be used to make, to, to unlock all devices. I'm like, what? 
it's so crazy. I was just, you know, I wasn't angry or resisting. I'm just like, guys, this is super weird. I know you're probably just think you're just executing an order. But do you think it would be good to understand some context to like make your own judgment as to what you're doing is right or wrong? And uh, anyway, they take me into a car. I just, and I could see my apartment from the car. People are just funneling in. And I like, I live a really minimal lifestyle. I literally sleep on the floor and these cops are coming into my apartment. Their boots are full of salt and snow. They're just marching over everything, including where I sleep. I'm like, guys, this is such a, it was such an invasion of privacy. They took my bedside notes where like my journal, they took that. I'm like, what do you need that for? Hmm. That's crazy. And they just took every, they took all my electronics like that I use for work. They took my cell phone. I'm like, dude, without a cell phone, I can't even call. I can't even call my lawyer. I can't do anything. So they, you could tell I pissed the wrong people off basically. And so that was quite an experience. That's fucked up. <laughs> dude, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> At one point I started laughing because I'm like, this is so crazy. I, like I had nothing to do but laugh. And I think that was when I was like, what's the worst they're going to do? Kill me? Like, that's not that bad. If I accept that, then I'm just going to deal with whatever comes. And, you know, it, uh, if I can live with the fact that what I did was right, um, based on my values, then, you know, so did any charges come since then? Did they take you downtown? Did they like, what, what's nothing? Wasn't arrested. Wasn't charged. Still haven't been charged. Still haven't been arrested. Still haven't gotten some of my stuff back. So they took your shit and disappeared. Yes. No resource, <laughs> no explanation. Um, some stuff's come back. Some stuff's come back, but then they gave me like some guy came with another letter and was like, Hey, we're, here's a letter you have to sign to say we're allowed to keep your shit. I'm like, well, I'm not going to sign it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. sign that. You shouldn't have taken it in the first place. But I literally had to do the whole legal thing. I had to pay a lawyer to show up on my behalf to say like, Hey, you're not, you can't keep this stuff arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. You know, funnily enough, the stuff they wanted to keep, I knew for a fact had nothing of relevance to it that they didn't already know. So I was like, you don't have anything. You're just trying to stall this thing. I don't know why. So it was kind of ironic in that respect, but, um, yeah, no, no recourse, no, <laughs> like, Nothing, literally. And the, and the this most sinister thing, I think, is that they just dangle this thing over you saying, you may get charged. We you, don't know might you might get, get charged. charged. You might be arrested. Uh, we can't say anything more. It's under ongoing investigation, as they say. And it's like, wow, if I didn't have some mental training under my belt to like be present and not worry about shit that hasn't happened yet, my life would be destroyed because I wouldn't be like, I think the average person who doesn't train their minds would be pretty much all consumed by that looming threat, that loose end that um, is just not tied forever, maybe. So super funky, man. Like, What I, is that I, mental trend? I realize I have no property rights in Canada if I right. do something that people in power don't like, even if it's n- nothing illegal. And that was a hard realization for me to come to. It's like, wow, did not know that. God <laughs> 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 oh, goddamn. Oh, my God. But, yeah. you know... Zero property good story, rights. Though. Good story to tell my kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or the pretty girl at the bar. Uh, you know, property rights. Zero property rights. Zero property rights. I think if you piss off the wrong people, you have zero property rights. I think that's global. I think so too. People will say no, but 
most people don't get in situations where they piss off the people who are in power mm -hmm. <clears throat> in such a way that they take that measure. But I think that's how you show their true colors, right? Like that thing that happened was documented in affidavits. I talked to my lawyer, gave him the story. That's crystallized in legal documents. So I don't know, nothing's coming of it right now, but like, you know, there's, there's a lot of crazy shit to go on. Um, like Nuremberg took a long time to happen after the events that Nuremberg was based on happened, right? Long time. It takes a long time for this stuff to unwind, for us to sort out, find the people, hold them accountable, blah, blah, blah. So that thing that happened to me happened. It's been documented. Um, the officer's names are attached to the execution of that warrant. The judge who created the warrant, is like, like all these people, the names are there. I'm not in a rush, right? That stain is there forever. And we can go back and check it out and figure out how to get that sorted and how to get justice served when the dust settles. So yeah, but it's, uh, it's on hold for now until further notice. You mentioned mental training. Is there a story here? No, I've just, you know, the past seven years, I've done a really big deep dive in my own health and really come to appreciate how important the mind is as the pillar of health. And I think I naturally have a very busy mind and I struggle with that for most of my life. So I've kind of had to figure out ways to, um, like, I think a busy mind can, a mind that's out of control can be a giant burden, can result in mental dis-ease. Uh, or it can be a superpower if you harness it and it's hard to harness it, but I think I've had to work really hard to do that. And, you know, I'm a really big fan of, um, stoic wisdom, like Marcus Aurelius meditations is my Bible in life. And so I think I was in a good position to be able to keep my shit together, despite everything falling, falling around me and the floor falling out under me multiple times. So I think that was super important, no significant story that would be necessarily different from other people. But I think having that understanding was a huge asset to being able to, you know, do what I could, um, in all those situations that sort of developed quickly. So. Man, it's crazy. And, and, you know, again, from, from the Bitcoin community outside of what was going on, looking in and trying to keep up with the story, uh, of course, you had, um, you know, you had some good guys on your side. You had Jeff, uh, Greg, and and Ben stepped up to the plate to to hold, you know, yeah. one one key each uh, as part of a multi sig for the funds that were coming in. Um, and a shout out to Laser Hoddle as well because he really started driving um, to find to find people to you know to to start sending sats into this thing, which many many people did. Uh, how did those guys? Were you in constant contact with those guys? I mean, dude, they storm your apartment. The first thing you want to do is reach out to those closest to you, but you have no way of doing that. Like, you, what was going well, through your mind? I had a backup, mind? but it was... I, had a <laughs> <laughs> I have redundancy in a lot of elements of my life for this. You know, I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin rubs off on you where it's like, you know, have some, have some backup plans in place. Be smart about where you put your money. Like, I think, you know, I'm not stupid enough to have my own Bitcoin or the Bitcoin of a company I work with in my house accessible at one point of failure, right? But if I had been, that probably all would be gone and I don't think I would ever get it back. So that was a lesson to really like, you know, 
pat myself on the back for having done that because um, that was important. But <clears throat> yeah, got a, had a backup phone, was able to f navigate it and figure out um, a SIM and then called my mom and I was like, by the way, this happened. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so just FYI, in case you hear anything, this is the truth. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those guys, everyone did what they could. Um, you know, I would, I talked to Greg pretty frequently. He was like a very, uh, important, like mentor through the whole thing. Like when I was kind of freaking out a little bit, I'd call him and he would kind of like, you know, bring some reason to it. And, uh, you know, when I kind of didn't know what to do or needed just like someone to bounce ideas off of, he was there. I'm very grateful for every, every single Bitcoiner that sent one sat or more and all the core guys that helped with this, like none of this can happen without everyone doing something. And I didn't do, I just did what I could. We all did everyone, like the little, the grandma that baked a muffin for the truckers, I think did whatever she could. I did whatever I could. Uh, and everyone doing what they could is what allowed this to happen. So. And JW took a lot of heat, but uh, what was going on from your yeah, side? JW is the only reason this actually worked. Right. That might okay. be, people Explain. might not like to hear that, but um, yeah, I mean, everything was just kind of crumbling at one point where the emergencies act came out, all this kind of <clears throat> crazy shit. And, you know, everyone stayed in until it was like too risky for them to, to stay in. And so some people in the core group were like, you know, this is where, this is my end point. I can't do this. It's getting fucking crazy and scary. And I was like, yeah, I a hundred percent respect that. And as the person who started this, I am ultimately responsible for the people who sent their money. Um, like I, I'm responsible for that. So there's no, you know, like one thing I think that helped me be able to navigate this was this idea that <clears throat> for a while I had been an executive for a company. And I think what being an executive means is that you take radical ownership for every decision you make. Um, and you, at, you are wholly, wholeheartedly responsible for making decisions and you accept that and there's a lot of stress involved in that, but there's also usually a lot of benefit. Right. And so at the end of the day, I was the one fully responsible for making this happen. I was the one who started it, even though it didn't go where I thought it would go. It was like, well, this is just where we are. So, um, I knew that JW, I had known about JW, like, um, he had written a really powerful paper. I think it's a Bitcoin attack, Bitcoin threat vectors. I can't remember what it's called, but he wrote a really powerful paper. I had talked to him on, um, Twitter before, because I like just on a technical level, I was like, dude, I want to learn from you. Went through the Yeti cold protocol, understood what it was like. I, I realized he was a very advanced Bitcoiner technically, uh, and also super critical of everything. Um, and so I was like, well, at a certain point, it's like, why don't I just go to the guy who's going to be most critical of this and has the deepest understanding and flip it on him and say, okay, well, what would you do? Are you, are you going to help me? And then he was kind of stuck. He was like, well, fuck, I walked into that one. Yes, I will help you. And, uh, you know, like one day I spent eight hours on a laptop working through command line prompt, which like, I'm not a tech person, right? Like I'm not a tech moron, but I'm definitely, I'd never opened um, terminal before in my life. And to go from that to like doing all the things, running a script, um, pumping out all these wallets in the right way, in the most secure way possible down to like even smashing devices. Like it was pretty extreme. No way I could have done any of that without him. Uh, he's the one who did the Google doc 
open Google Docs so any Bitcoiner could submit feedback. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's inconvenient for people who dislike him for how critical he is of things, but he makes a lot of good points and he's really fucking smart. And the only reason this was able to actually get done successfully is because of him, because otherwise I'd probably just, you know, they would have gotten all the Bitcoin um, or the, or the lawsuit would have gotten all the Bitcoin. And so, you know, cause at one point I was like, well, what if we just hold the Bitcoin, create an endowment, pay truckers out sats for the rest of their lives as the thank you for doing this. And, uh, you know, he stepped up and was like, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. You need to get the money. You need to get the sats to truckers now. And at the time I was like, well, what's the urgency? Like there things are changing every hour. There's so much uncertainty. Like, why don't we just buckle down and be calm about this? And, uh, I think he just feared that it would get stolen, rightfully so. Um, whether that was by the government or by me or by people involved, whatever. But his um, pressure to get that done is the only reason it got done, like with milliseconds to spare before, um, before those funds couldn't be moved or else I would be breaking the law. So everything got done in perfect timing so that no laws were broken by me. Um, and yeah, I'm very thankful for JW. And he, I mean, I think the biggest thing that jumped out of me about him was every time I talked to him, he was more concerned with my safety than he was with the Bitcoin. This is something like, you know, no one's going to really know this. This is the first time I've ever said this actually, but he was always looking at like, okay, even if this is the best way to do it, uh, if that risks your personal safety, we shouldn't do it. So I was the one saying, well, we should just do it. I think I can find a way to do this where it mitigates the risk, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, JW, if you're listening, thank you. And to everyone out there who dislikes JW, just give him a fucking chance. He's a smart dude. And yeah, that's the story. Holy shit, man. What a story. <laughs> what a story. Um, I think I think we can move on from that now. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, otherwise, we'd just spend the whole pod on it. Yeah. Uh, but there's well, we a can whole... do one. I mean, we can do one down the road. You know, it's burned into my brain. There's actually a an author who's writing a book, and there's a section on it about Bitcoin. I'm going back and forth with him. He's got a really good chronological essay, an essay that chronologically hits on all the major points. Does a really good job at like saying the truth and not even some cool little details. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have I took field notes every single day. Forty minute walk there, forty minute home. I took notes every day, so I have these log notes from each day of what happened what was happening it's all there i just just little audio you know, clips I had to distance like vo- myself voice recordings or were you writing and just notes on my phone and then yeah. i would um i wrote for the first few days and it was mm-hmm. so cold dan my pen froze and my fingers were so numb i couldn't write <laughs> <laughs> so i was like all right well i'm gonna use the phone and even then i had to like you know minus 30 like this was in winter this was in I, ottawa i know I and people and, were out and Dude. Like, it, this is what was crazy when you were watching it. Yeah. You're like, I don't think people are appreciating how fucking cold it is out there. And like, it's yes, still it's cold. Did it, um, did it drive a few people nuts though? Like the people that lived there with all the honking? Because we saw some of those videos where like the guys going crazy, stop honking, stop honking. Or was it mainly just fun party time? Let's uh, let's stick it. To it was fun party time. Like. Seriously, if you're freaking out over horns, right? Maybe it's not the horns that are upsetting you. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're blaming <laughs> the horns for some fucked up shit in your life. You know, like I saw a lot of extremists that were created by the propaganda. Of course. That were stuck Planted in that mindset. There. And I saw yeah. mentally ill people that mm-hmm. I actually felt bad for that were just flipping out. 
It's like people are at their wits end, Dan. And mm. it, this was like something they could blame, but it was not the cause of the problem. So, yeah, I mean, they're the majority, they're the minority, the vast minority, but they're the most vocal people, mm -hmm. right? Like the one in 1 million people who freak out because they're just having a bad day and their brain is fried from two years of getting destroyed by on all fronts, mm -hmm. work, relationships, family, all the above created by bullshit policies by these parasite politicians. They're given, they're pointed, like literally our government's creating extremists that do crazy shit like that. Those were the people I was worried about. It's like these people who have just been manipulated and their lives have been destroyed and they're being told it's this person's fault when in reality it's not their fault. Those are the people I was worried about. So most of my time downtown was actually just observing, walking around and doing what I could to like peacekeep. Right? Like, just think of this. You have crazy people in the heart of the beast. Ottawa is a federal government town. Most people are on the take. They get paid way too much money to deliver no value. Mm -hmm. And they get that in order, and, and they essentially, it's this fiat, this weird fiat thing that exists. And it's especially common in Ottawa. So you have these people that are being manipulated. You have people that are standing up for their freedom, real like men that don't take shit, right? In real life, if you go up to a man and you start talking shit or threatening him, he will punch you in the face. This is called consequence. This is what exists in reality, it doesn't exist in the digital world. So you have these, people who stand firm claiming their freedom. You have these extremists that live in this digital bubble that are freaking out because they're mentally ill. That is a really ripe environment for tension, like bad tension, because any conflict is going to be blamed on the convoy. So what I really appreciate was the radical clarity of everyone there saying, we must all act with integrity, with honor. We must be nonviolent. Like th this was drilled into people every day. There was announcements. And so I was there to basically kind of be a peacekeeper. And I saw confrontations manifesting and like people are getting angry, right? Rightfully so on both sides. And it was really just trying to be there to like diffuse it. Um, and it is kind of a miracle that nothing really crazy happened. It really is. It's pretty, that's how much love there was there. Even though there was this righteous anger from two years of just fuckery. Um, yeah, it was mostly about just keeping the peace. We literally had people who enlisted to be peacekeepers on the ground doing shifts and rotations to make sure no trucks were getting vandalized, to make sure no one was getting hurt. It was pretty amazing to watch this emergent coordination of like everything was being done. And there were like military guys and police officers that didn't tell anyone that, that were, that were essentially leading uh, security forces, right? That were just peacekeepers. Right? It's not like you're, you're not going to use force on someone. Your goal is just to diffuse anything you see. And if there's something sketchy, tell other people about it. Do not engage, but identify. And I just really appreciated that. I was like, this is very advanced, more advanced than people are ever going to probably know. But it was pretty cool to witness. I was going to move on, but we're stuck here. So <laughs> when they did show up in force, the stormtroopers, call them whatever you want. That was a, a mix, I think, of local or state police and... They were goons. They were just hired goons from out of town, conveniently. Right. Because yeah. no, no one with an in-town connection is going to exert unilateral violence on mm -hmm. people of the city they claim to serve. Right. So this is one of the sneakiest things. It's like you should never be allowed to bring people in that have no connection to a place to enforce violence in that place because they will do so without any 
holding back without any, it was just really pathetic actually to watch. Um, so you have these people in military garb, these hired militia in military garb with a little sticker that says police. And they're like beating the shit out of people that are peaceful, not fighting back. Like I saw one guy giving knees. There was a guy on the ground, his hands were behind his back. He's defense. There's like five people around five of these goons around him. He's on the ground not doing anything. And I see one of these goons giving this guy knees to an area that I know is his ribs and his liver. This was not like a mistake. This guy wasn't like trying out a couple of knees. It was like, these were tactical knees, right? His movement was tactical. Like you could tell this guy practiced this, knew exactly where he was hitting and was just taking out pure anger on this innocent person. So, you know, I saw some of the, the most beautiful things in my life during the convoy. And I also saw some of the darkest things I've ever seen in my life. And I hope that, you know, to fight the media, people at the com people there became the media, recorded everything. This was like a really, this is another thing that was drilled in the people. It's like, we can't trust the media. We must become the media. We need to preserve a record of what happened so that we can actually look back on this and hold these people accountable. So all these things were recorded and they're going to haunt the people who did them for the rest of their lives until they're found. And, you know, I don't think that's vengeful. I think that's justice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the big thing we just need to remember is like, who caused this? Well, the, the coward that ran away and didn't even speak to truckers, which could have ended this the first day they arrived, caused this. Mm -hmm. Remember that. That's what we need to remember. The goon thing is so freaking obvious. It was so obvious two or three years back here in France when we had this uh, gilet jaune rising, uh, funnily enough, over the cost of fuel, which everybody... You know, as soon as COVID went around, those guys disappeared. Yeah, all, all seems fine. Let's just lock ourselves down. And uh, now the price of fuel is not just 10 cents higher, but like almost double. And they're, they're still not on the streets. But whatever, you know, the, it hits the news and all of a sudden they are made out to be these complete and utter lunatics. Um, clearly, there were goons planted within their own ranks and then goons hired in en masse to look like the uh, the Parisian gendarme just to stoke the whole thing up. So it turns into a massive riot. So then that hits the mainstream media. That gets beamed around the world. Then it gets clamped down on hard because Macron will not take any free. It's such an obvious tactic. I know. It's insane. Yeah, I don't think I, 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 I hope this allows us to put fail safes in. That's what I hope, right? I hope by this happening in the open, being recorded once, it is the input needed so that it is never allowed to ever happen again. I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than pessimistic and right. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but I hope it does. And, uh, well, if we fix the money, here's, here's another thing. We already fixed it. People just don't know about it yet. <laughs> we let people know we fixed the money. <laughs> Guys, we fixed the money. Go tell everyone. Money's fixed. We can move on. All right. Can we geek out on feet? I would love to. Tell the listeners what the hell we're talking about. Uh, where's a good place to... 
open this up. So I used to be a physical therapist. So like, uh, I'm trained, formally trained as a physical therapist. And, uh, <clears throat> when I graduated, opened a clinic and had the realization that, wow, my feet are super fucked up. And <laughs> I was never taught anything about feet in physio school. Anything. What made you, what made you think your feet were fucked up? What was going on? For you were sore to... all the time. I played rugby. I wore soccer cleats cause I was a back. And uh -huh. my feet were just obliterated from wearing terrible shoes my whole life. And I didn't even know there were terrible shoes, right? The, the, the ironic thing is the best shoes that were sold on are the worst shoes for your feet. Right. So realized my feet were messed up. I was having all these issues. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just do what I just paid a shitload of money to learn how to do as a physical therapist. Nothing worked. So I'm like, all right, well, that's throw all that away. And also stung a bit that like, wow, I just spent all this money learning how to help people's bodies and I can't even fix my own fucking feet. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> um, anyway, go through the process, restore my own foot health, learn a lot of things, um, simple things actually that worked and realized that uh, healthy feet are the default. When we wear shoes that are unnatural, it creates unnatural foot function, right? Foot dysfunction is the result of wearing shitty shoes. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's all you need to know. So everyone, so I started assessing people barefoot because I was like, well, even if they're coming in for the shoulder, I'll just assess them barefoot. And I realized everyone's feet are fucked up. Even the people who weren't coming to see me for messed up feet have feet that are mangled. And eventually they're probably gonna have foot pain. So kind of going down that rabbit hole, realize actually it turns out it's really simple to explain this. Wear shoes that align with natural foot health. Don't spend all day sitting. You're gonna have great feet. That's pretty much it. So I started an Instagram profile in 2015, putting out free education. And, uh, you know, as a way for me to get better at articulating these concepts and to see if there were proof points of like, do people actually want to learn about feet? Like we're not talking about them. They're not more important than the rest of the body, but because they're being destroyed by everyone's shoes, we should probably talk about it. So yeah. And then long road there, but, uh, you know, for seven years, I basically just went super deep into foot health, you know, went into the deepest depths. And when I came back, I realized actually 95% of what I looked into doesn't really matter. Just wear good shoes and understand the fundamentals and you're going to be fine. And in the process, I realized that literally the fiat incentives of what we call healthcare, but is actually disease care has nothing to do with health. It has everything to do with identifying and treating disease, but never solving disease, um, is perpetuating this foot dysfunction epidemic. And I don't think people really appreciate how debilitating foot problems can be until they have foot problems or know someone with foot problems, right? When you can't do the activities you love, when you can't be independent with your movement, it takes a big toll on your psyche as a human and your state of ease, right? It creates dis-ease very easily. So, you know, if, if right now, 99% of footwear is unnatural, which means that those shoes will result in foot dysfunction which eventually, you know, the long tail of foot dysfunction is foot pain. So most people with foot pain um, are at the long tail end of foot dysfunction. Most people with foot dysfunction do not yet have pain, right? So it's really hard to sell someone on a solution to a problem they don't even know they have, and it's inconvenient for them to learn that they have. Um, but yeah, started doing events, creating digital products, selling natural footwear because no one in Canada could get it and people didn't even know what it was. And uh, yeah. And basically just, you know, try to do what I could to empower people to restore healthy feet, because here's the fundamental truth. I realized only the individual can restore their foot health. The more you expose yourself to disease care, the more you're going to be led astray and manipulated to the wrong answers. 
And uh, having healthy feet is really simple. Wear natural shoes, which are shoes that let your feet move and articulate um, like they're supposed to. And if you don't wear natural shoes and you wear unnatural shoes, you will have dysfunctional feet and eventually you'll have pain. And instead of waiting till you get there, why don't you just wear shoes that align with your bodies? Like if people were wearing jeans that didn't allow their knees to bend and then they were complaining of knee pain, this is like how I saw things. And I'm like, this is absurd. People need to know about this. It's so simple. I can tell it to a five-year-old, they get it. So, you know, if you change the clothing that you wear on your feet, which is what shoes are, clothing is something we put on as humans to protect us from the environment, protect us from the elements. Um, if we just wear clothing that aligns with our function at our feet, our feet are going to do just fine. And yet 75% of people in shoe wearing cultures develop foot pain at some point in their lives. That's insane. That's a big problem. And to, to add on to that, you know, about $3 billion a year in the States is spent of misallocated capital is spent on solutions that don't work. Orthotics, surgery, all like so many things. So our big mission at the, the company is called the foot collective. Our mission is to create digital solutions that empower people to restore foot health and dematerialize all the wasted bullshit capital from the fiat system of disease care uh, and just re-empower people, right? Um, and it's been a pretty cool ride. And I think because I was leading the company for a long time and I was shaped by Bitcoin, the company was also shaped by Bitcoin, right? The way we thought about things was guided by Bitcoin where it's like, you know, the solution to the health problem is education. Education is just software. So why don't we build proof? Why don't we build digital solutions that are scalable across the world um, that when energized by people to upload that software on their hardware result in health? Health is the proof of work of putting good software on your hardware. So that's what we do. Oh man, I got a shit ton of questions. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks for hosting this discussion. Not a lot of people. I don't get a chance to work to like talk about the intersection of health and Bitcoin or specifically foot health and Bitcoin. <laughs> so thank you for creating the opening. We, we, we're going to go niche and we're going to go deep. Um, <clears throat> the first thing that's standing out to me is women are fucked because women they have get a big opportunity with their feet. Put it that way. <laughs> let's put, yeah, let's put it this way. Yeah. The problem being they are um, manipulated into believing that high heels are sexy and this is what is going to you know, shape their legs in a certain way and they feel empowered when they go out and they're a little bit taller and uh, it's, it's so insidious. But it's, I mean, come on, it's obvious that it's got to be wrecking their feet, especially if they're up all dancing all night in, in high heels, uh, you know, between the ages of 17, 25, whenever it is that you can hand, actually handle that as a woman. Yeah. I mean, high heels, I think, before I knew how fucked up it made women's feet, I thought high heels look very sexy. Yeah. Um, because it does two primary things, right? It literally accentuates the two parts we love most in women. Mm -hmm. It... By elevating their heels, it makes them tilt their pelvis forward. So it pushes their butt out. Mm -hmm. And the compensation by the body for that is to tilt the ribs upward, which pushes their breasts upward. So it literally exaggerates the form of their calves, their butt, and their boobs. So it's kind of like this trick women 
play to attract mates, right? Um, but there's a trade-off. I don't think most women understand the, the depth of how big of a trade-off they're making is. This is the, you know, like I don't judge women for the footwear they wear. I, I think everyone should make their own decisions. What I want is for people to have a, an accurate, truthful uh, array of information so they can consider all the variables and make whatever choice they want for themselves, right? Maybe that means they don't ditch heels altogether. That makes them feel sexy and that's something that matters. Maybe they just wear them once in a while because you're going to be okay if you do that. When your feet become healthy, it's actually way harder to wear heels because it hurts way more. Um, so most women, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff packed into that, right? Like this whole notion of heels and makeup is like, you want to open that rabbit hole, be prepared for the swarm of women just not wanting to admit that, you know, it's like, why do you do that? Right. And it's hard to admit that most people do things that are bad for them because they don't feel that they're enough without those things. So they don't feel like people notice them without those things. And that's a really uncomfortable thing to recognize. So, um, but it's liberating when you transcend that, when you move beyond that, where you're like, I don't give a shit what people think, whether people think I'm sexy or not. I'm not going to mess up my body because that just disempowers me further. So, <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think uh, most people that find our work is actually middle-aged women. We're just like, I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm ready. I'm ready to accept that I... I'm good enough. I don't need to do this nonsense anymore. I don't want to be crippled because that's how most women end up being with bunions or just mangled feet. Like look oh, up Chinese foot binding. Yeah, exactly. That shit <laughs> still happens. It's just not as gnarly, but it's still happening. Look at a crazy lifted stiletto. Like that's a foot binding device mm -hmm. and that's being voluntarily chosen to be worn because people don't realize how messed up that makes the rest of your body, right? And, you know, we often talk about how really we're a health network. We're focused on feet because we feel feet are a foundation for health, mm -hmm. right? Like foundation seems like a good place to start. If you build a house and your foundation shit and you build a giant beautiful house and the house crumbles because your foundation was shit, maybe you should have spent more on the foundation. Maybe you should have paid attention to that. So if our feet are the foundation that literally touch us to the planet and form the base of which all of our other physical health is built on, like start with a good foundation. That's kind of the approach we take so you mentioned bunions uh explain to us what they are and how they form and why sure um bunions are a deformity of the foot happening at the big toe um i could literally talk about bunions for an hour but i'll i'll, I'll try and do like super short version they're caused by footwear your genetics can predispose you to potentially being affected more by footwear, you know, like um, genetics um, are bullets loaded into the gun, but shoes are the trigger. Without the trigger, you're not getting bunions, hmm. right? People often misconstrue genetic for familial, right? Like they're like, well, they clearly they're genetic. My mom has them, my aunt has them. Like, hmm, I wonder what kind of shoes you all wear. Probably the same kind. So familial, which means your whole family probably wears similar types of shoes, is different than something being genetic in your genetic code, right? It, in your genetic, if humans had a crooked big toe in their genetic code, we wouldn't last very long. So it's not in your genetic code. It has to do with the footwear you're wearing. That might be uncomfortable to realize. But essentially bunions is when you take a, 
a foot that's supposed to fan out and get wider as it goes towards the toes and you jam it into a pointed piece of footwear, your big toe goes crooked. And then your metatarsal bumps out and creates this big bump on the inside border of your foot. And that's what a bunion is. It's a crooked big toe caused by footwear deforming your big toe, squishing it towards the other ones. And the super gnarly part is that a bunionectomy is a really common surgery. And a bunionectomy is shaving off of that bump. Well, that bump isn't, isn't bone that's been layered on. That bone is your metatarsal. That bone is part of your foot. And so people are going to get part of their foot sliced off their body, thinking that's the solution to a problem caused by footwear. And most of them aren't even being told footwear is the cause. How fucked up is that? That's a fiat game if I've ever seen one before. Is this so. primarily uh, a woman's problem or a man that have jammed their feet into like uh, the, the men to pointed dress shoes or, or Dude, whatever? Go to get a Nike runner. It's pointed. Right. Hmm. They all taper into a point. Our feet yeah. don't, don't taper into a point. So women are... Even the football boots we wear, like the soccer boots, sure. or like you said, like yep. rugby. Uh, yeah. So women are disproportionately affected because they footwear uh, is even more misshapen in women. Yeah. But men are not immune to this, right? Like men always say, oh, I have bunions and I've never worn high heels. I'm like, show me your dress shoe. It's basically a fucking... It's like the more expensive the shoe, the more pointy it is. Where did that yeah. come from? Yeah, weird. It's know. like a vestige from old times. It's super weird, dude. Um, so yeah, I think men get it too, to a lesser degree, uh, women get it more and more severely because they've just spent more time in those shoes, but affects everyone. I'm looking at my feet. Are right you now. looking at your feet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So your toe yeah. should be from the ball of your foot, you should be able to draw a straight vertical, like straight line, your toe should align with that. So if you put both your feet together mm -hmm. where the balls of your feet and your heels are touching. Mm -hmm. and your big toes aren't touching, you have uh, a degree of a bunion, right? Bunions are like a continuum. You can have really mild or really gnarly, but yeah, most so, people, I mean, if you wear, if you wear shoes, you probably have bunions. That yeah. is a safe assumption. Yeah. My, 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 uh, my big toes are going opposite to each other. Right. Motherfuckers. <laughs> but here's, here's the good news. Our bodies, this is one thing I really deeply appreciated, you know, coming out of the programming of physical therapy, where really the assumption made is the body is broken. You're training because your job is to fix the body. The body's flawed. You're here to fix it. And it's such a twisted assumption because our bodies are like the most magical technology on par with Bitcoin is the human body. We don't even understand it yet. Right? So we misuse it because we don't understand it. And we assume it's an equipment fault. We never acknowledge that everything that happens to our bodies is a, is a user fault. You're not using the equipment for what it's designed for, right? If you take a Dodge Caravan on a rally track, it's going to break. <laughs> doesn't mean Dodge Caravans are bad. It means you're not supposed to drive a fucking van on a rally track, <laughs> you know? So like, we just need to learn, like fundamentally, we don't learn how to use our bodies. We don't get a, we're not given a user's guide in school of how to treat this insane piece of tech. Like we're all given like a formula one car. None of us are taught how to use it. So we crash them all the time. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we should just teach kids, you know, and it's not even about teaching them anything. Cause they already have it all built in. It's like, don't, don't layer bullshit on top of them and they're going to be just fine. Let them move and, you know, let them discover what real food is, what nourishing fe sleep feels like, what having control over your thoughts, feels like 
And, you know, like we, my, our macro mental model at the foot collective for the pillars of health, which I think are, this is still my favorite framework. There's six pillars of health. We only recently added the sixth, and the sixth is probably going to be your favorite, but Big it's point. sound money. Bitcoin, exactly. Yeah. Sound money, just so that it, you know, they get to Bitcoin, but like <laughs> sound money. And you know what the ironic part is? I think that's the keystone pillar that allows you, like, just to quickly put a pin in that, mm-hmm. health takes time. It requires time and energy to, to, to like take care of yourself, right? If, your time, if money is a tool to store your time and your time is being stolen, you're never going to have time to take care of yourself. And so by switching to sound money and protecting your time, you open up the availability of time to focus on the other pillars, right? So it's like all the other pillars are great, but if, you, if your time's being stolen from you, you're never gonna, you're gonna have decreasing and decreasing amounts of time to spend taking care of yourself on the other pillars. So the six are sleep, movement, the mind, community. Um, I'm blanking for some reason. Hmm. Sleep, food, movement, the mind, community, and sound money. Those are the six. Yeah. It was food um, that was, you were blanking on originally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those, I mean, if we just had basic literacy on those things um, mm-hmm. and help people understand, I think what you can teach people, because, you know, here, here's a question for you. How do you define health? How do you define health in one or two sentences? There's no wrong answer. My answer yeah. changes frequently, but you know, very, that's important, very right? good question. Um, how do I define health? My original fear answer, like 10 to 15 years ago would have been, you know, to, to have a good looking body to try and, you know, have the abs showing and, you know, which I could never do by the way, uh, <laughs> lo- long muscle tissue fiber, like, you know, you're fucked. You, you're never going to be able to build that. <laughs> That's overrated. It doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, but now I'm much more focused on, uh, sound mind, uh, and Bitcoin has re, you know, be, having been down the Bitcoin rabbit hole for five, six years, whatever it is, it remaps everything slowly. So like exactly what you're saying, it resonates because there's time. You have time and you can grab hold of a specific thing, whether that's bunions or whether that's uh, a skin problem or whether that is uh, a back problem. You know, I was plagued by back problems for a year, for, for years. Uh, I would still play five-a-side football twice a week and I would feel healthy but the two or three days that I could barely get out of bed because my back was fucked I wouldn't feel healthy but I felt as though I was doing all the right things I I was eating muesli for breakfast what an idiot you know but I felt healthy because I was doing that I was exercising uh, probably wearing exactly the wrong fucking shoes that were giving me bunions but I felt healthy because I was sweating and out of breath uh now I, I I definitely sway more towards the mind and I'm way more conscious about um, things that are going into my body, i.e. sugar, uh, would be a, a huge one. So zoom out, zoom out. What are what do all these like all these individual specific threads? What what macro principle would embody those without ever having to say any of the pillars of health? Like what is health? 
what the fuck is health? Because mm -hmm. this is something I found so profound. So when where, we ask what is money, right? Well, everyone wants to get healthy. Yeah. Right. So everyone yeah. wants to get healthy and you say, well, what is health? They're like, well, I, don't I don't know. know. It's like, well, good luck fucking getting there. You don't even know what it is. Exactly. So where's your lighthouse? Like, if you can't define that, you cannot pursue health because you don't know what the health is. And there's no wrong answer and everyone defines it differently. But, you know, an interesting thing that we did at the Foot Collective was we created this social platform. We didn't create it. We, we bought a membership to the social platform called Mighty because it was a distraction-free platform where we paid money as a company to create a container that was distraction-free, no ads, no data mining. So we paid so people didn't pay with their attention. And the only thing people had to pay to join this was send us their definition of health. So mm -hmm. it's the first question that gets asked. So I've, I've literally read, we have over, we have thousands of submissions. I think we're at a, like 1700 or something. So everyone has answered that question. So I plow through those. I mine those because I'm like, I wonder what, yeah. like, what are people, what are people saying? Are people putting in them, like a, to, a, a BMI under XYZ or like, you know, yeah, there's some wacky things. Right. Okay. I mean, a lot of people talk about pain, right? Mm -hmm. Not being in pain. That's a really common thread. Um, but that's a low bar, right? Like, cause not being pain doesn't mean you're actually having a good time. It just means you're not suffering. Um, so we get a shitload of data and it's, it's just very interesting to see what people say. And I think there's without a cohesive cultural definition of health at a high level, it's very hard to pursue health. If we don't even have like, if we can't agree on what health is, how are we going to approach it? So I think it's a really important question to start with. Um, uh, absolutely. But like, yeah, I mean, look at what you can sell into it if it's not defined. And this right. is where we find ourselves today. Have you managed to define it? Have you managed to like uh, water it down to where it distill it to that, that perfect pinpoint of where you're happy to define health? I can give my definition of health. Um, this doesn't need to be everyone else's. And I don't think this is like the perfect definition, but the one I've come to that I love most and I'm still sticking with is health is the process of learning how to take better care of myself and using energy every day to make positive changes. And the reason I like that is that it is not state dependent. Like it's not, mm -hmm. I want to be shredded. I want to have a sound mind. Like what does a sound mind even mean? And how, how do you know when you've gotten there? It's process driven. Like the process of learning how to take better care of myself, which means that if you're 500 pounds, but you are actively engaging with the process of health, you're healthy hmm. in my books, right? If you're 500 pounds and you're not doing anything to take care of yourself, you're unhealthy. But if you disconnect the, someone's state, like where they are right now and focus more on the process, because the process never ends, right? You don't get to like the destination of health. You're like, woo, party time. I don't have to do shit anymore. No, every day is like, every day you must engage with that. That is our, like, that's our primary job. That's my, my first job as a human is health. Mm -hmm. And then, and if I have to make money to pay for other things, that, that can also be stuff I do. But like, if we all accepted that our primary job as a human on earth, trying to make this world a better place is to keep ourselves healthy. And like the old airplane mask rule, like look out for your own health before trying to look out for the health of others. Cause if you don't do that, you can't do the other one anyway. Um, that's my favorite one right now. Cause it's. Pro the process of learning insinuating. I don't know what, mm -hmm. I don't understand it completely, but I'm working towards it. Um, 
and the daily investment of energy and attention into making changes, real changes, right, to bring myself further along the process of health. Well, no one ever laughed at the five hundred pound man or woman that walked into a gym, right? Because they're healthy. If they walked into the gym and they're participating and engaging, and even if it's their first day, like either, sure. like it was, bring it on, let's go. Like you know, everyone's well had done. A first day. Man, all right, back to feet. <laughs> Can that poor person that is sitting out there thinking, holy fuck, my feet are fucked up. Uh, I've got bunions, clearly. Um, I've always had this nagging pain in my heel. Uh, my wife, as we just before we started talking, and you said, oh, I want to talk about, about some feet maybe. And like, yeah, let's do it. She, she's been experiencing some pain on the sole of her feet and you were like, yeah, that's plantar fasciitis, fasciitis, but you say it. Could be, could be. Yeah, She's got a foot thing going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do we need to do to start fixing this shit without going to a doctor and saying, can you inject me with some of that cortisol or like uh, give me some steroids or some magic foot cream that doesn't work for fucking shit? Like, what, how can we start taking control? Um, what are the first steps, pun intended, by the way? Yeah, one of the, we have a lot of good puns. Yeah, I bet you do. It's like we're, we're saving the world one soul at a time, you know? Oh. <laughs> There's lots of them. I won't keep going into them. Um, yeah, I mean, so this is a question I have asked myself for a long time because, you know, in person, I can help one person at a time. But if I truly believe in my soul that the solution is education and that only the individual can restore foot health, then, then how do we create a digital, an education is scalable digitally, how do we create the most badass digital tool that empowers people to restore healthy feet? So that has been the last two years of my life. Uh, we created a product called HealthKit. It is um, a digital product that we sell for 97 bucks. And it's value for value, meaning that if you go through this, if you pay $97, you go through the thing, make good on your commitment, which is 30 minutes a day for 42 days, uh, which is 21 hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> 30 minutes a day for 42 days. If you do this stuff and all you do is show up and just try different things. And if, it, if something's not working, try something different. You will eventually find something that works. If you do that and you didn't find it helpful, we give you your money back. Just tell us why it wasn't helpful. That's what we've created. That's what we've been working on. And it's this notion of, wow, we can literally, with a piece of software, dematerialize that $3 billion people are pissing away on shitty solutions by giving the power back to the individual, right? It's like your foot health is the proof of work of what you've done to restore your feet, right? If you don't do the work, it doesn't work, right? The software doesn't work unless you upload it on your hardware. It takes energy. So foot health is proof of work. So this is what I mean by like, I was shaped by Bitcoin. Everything I did was through the lens of Bitcoin. All of the concepts embedded into health kit have really come from Bitcoin, right? Like health is proof of work. Well, how do we create accountability tools that help people do what they want to do? Um, and so the three big things we pack into every digital tool, we only have two tools. One of them is for the individual. One of them is for the people who are going to help other people. It's like a deeper dive into called foot nerd training. Um, the three big elements of a digital tool 
like we've been doing this for a long time. We've shitloads of trial and error, shitloads of shitty products, lots of feedback. So we're kind of honing in on, on the thing that works. The three keys are the three C's. So it's commitment. So we make explicit concrete commitments in our digital products. Foot and training is an hour a day for 84 days. The health kit is 30 minutes a day for 42 days. So 30 minutes a day for six weeks. If you can't commit that, it's not going to work. And if you don't commit that, you're probably not going to make meaningful progress. So commitment, clarity, very simple lessons. We're like five minute videos. We'll make pathology videos where it's like this big word, plantar fasciitis, Morton's neuroma. Here's what it is in simple terms. Here's why it happens. Here's what you can do about it in like terms that a 10 year old can understand. Cause that's what, that's what we need in health. We need less complex mm -hmm. bullshit jargon by the knowers who turns out don't know fuck all when it comes to actually helping people, which stung a bit for me to admit that. Cause it was, you know, spent a shitload of fiat bucks learning something I learned was completely useless. And not only that worse than useless, cause I had to unlearn it, which is inconvenient. Um, so we do simple lessons. So we commitment, concrete commitment, clarity, um, and community connect these people with other people who are also doing it so they can share and bounce ideas off each other, support each other. And one of the key elements in all of our digital products is called a proof of work log. Every day you write something down. That's how you judge whether you showed up and made good on your commitment, right? So day one, you write something. I don't even care if it's like, I don't know what to write. You still wrote something and actually spent energy on it. And you can look back and say, wow, I showed up for 42 days. I mean, I've known what I was doing those days, but I did something and I wrote about it. That is your proof of work to show that you uploaded, you put the energy into uploading that software onto your hardware and you're going to do great. And it's not to say that after 42 days, people's issues are gone. But after 42 days, they'll have a foundational understanding and some clarity about what they need to do to make progress. And they continue that beyond the 42 days and it's lifetime access. So this thing is getting every person that goes through HealthKit is giving us feedback about how to make it better. Mm -hmm. and we're updating it and iterating it. And so if you do the HealthKit again, if you have a foot issue and you're like a year from after you first bought it, you do the HealthKit again, it's gonna be way better. And then hopefully you can help us make it better by letting us know what you wish was in there or what's not in there, right? Like we get, um, emails all the time. It's like, Hey, you know, peroneal tendonitis. I, I have, I've been told I have that. There's no video. Can you do it? It's like, perfect. We'll film that this week and it'll be in there. And then it's plugged in. And you know, we just, it's literally just a smart protocol that gets updated based on input from people doing it. And we're having, you know, it's funny because the refunds are unconditional. The only thing we ask for is like, tell us why it didn't help. Like, what do you think was the obstacle? And, uh, I think we've got like 13 or 1400 people who have done health kit, we've given like three refunds. Hmm. So something is working well there. And, and, you know, the value for value ethos of that comes from Bitcoin. The proof of work element comes from Bitcoin. Like it just, I can't help it. This is just what shaped me. So I'm going to, you know, project that on anything I work on and it turns out it works pretty fucking well. So I'm going to keep doing it. Well, congratulations, brother. Uh, are refunds called kickbacks or is that too bad? <laughs> I don't know. Kickback has a negative connotation to it, right? Um, I've got some serious should, questions. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You accept Bitcoin? Not yet. I don't. So for foot nerd training, uh, we did a little experiment to pilot like, okay, let's, let's test out some integration with Bitcoin. So we offered people, you know, it's gone through several phases right now. Foot nerd training is 1600 bucks um, lifetime access, but at a certain point it was 1250, I think. And we offered 250 bucks off if you paid in sats. So mm -hmm. people that didn't know anything about Bitcoin 
we're doing it because we're paying them $250 to learn about Bitcoin. So people paid us enrollment fees and sats, which was kind of cool. And now those people are, are orange pilled. Um, so we tested that we paid teachers in sats, which was super cool. Um, sound money is a fundamental element of the education we do at TFC. So I don't give a shit how much flack I get on Instagram. I was pumping out Bitcoin content to be like, Hey, people, if you don't use sound money, you're not going to be able to reclaim your health. And there's obviously a lot of resistance to that, a lot of bullshit and a lot of crypto people just, you know, it is what it is. But I was like, if we have a 300,000 person network on Instagram, we may, I, I must as a Bitcoiner talk about Bitcoin at some point and I'll mm-hmm. make it soft and like a gentle touch point. But so, yeah, we've integrated Bitcoin has worked its way in. I think now it's like in order to reach its full potential, I think HealthKit exists as a standalone app with a lightning wallet built in. I don't have the resources or the capital to fund that. So we have to go and find people to energize this company. Like a good steward needs to be found to energize this company to reach its full potential. So I'm kind of, uh, I have this drafted email for ego death capital, which uh, mm-hmm. I think could be a good fit. But anyway, regardless, it exists to reach its full potential. A lot of our products actually exist on Bitcoin because one thing it allows us to do is you give us feedback for something you did on your health kit journey, we'll pay you sats because it is worth a lot to us to get that feedback. So what if I could pay you in sats for giving us feedback? What if uh, we could pay you sats for spreading the word and telling your friend about health kit and then they bought health kit, we'll pay you some sats because you're helping. Like you can get paid to help people be healthy. That's value a cool value. value theory. That's, that's a game changer in health, I think, because yeah. fiat incentivizes the propagation of disease. Bitcoin can actually incentivize health by rewarding people with the world's best money for being healthy, for doing what they wanted to do. So I think there's some cool shit that can be done, but it, it, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into making that a reality. So. Right. Let me ask you a little bit about, uh, your thoughts on reflexology. I lived for 15 years in Asia and Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a big thing out there, especially in Thailand. How does that fit into any of the studies that you've looked into before? Uh, do, do you believe in that? Do you, do you feel as though that is a map for the rest of your whole body, the sole of your foot? Uh, how deep have you gone into it? And uh, yeah, love to, love to hear your thoughts. Just as an FYI, I got 25 minutes and then I got to jump off. Okay. Um, but we'll go the full two hours. We'll go to the minute for the full two hours. Absolutely. Because I'm loving this. Um, I don't have any huge opinions about reflexology. I think fundamentally it's good because getting texture exposed to your foot, regardless of whether you believe in energetic meridians or chi or flow of energy, uh, I think everyone should be open-minded to that stuff. I certainly am. What I can really base it on is my experience. And what I can say is that You know, my bathroom has river rock as the base. So every morning when I walk in there, I'm feeling rocks push into my foot in a bunch Mm -hmm. of different areas. When I take a shower, I'm feeling that. And it makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. So I don't actually know what magic is happening to make me feel better with that. I'm also a very firm believer that our minds are way more powerful than we think. So if you think something works or you think it doesn't work, either way, you're right to a certain extent, as long as you're not fooling yourself. So we have a lot of foot nerds that are into reflexology and get great results and really believe in it. And I don't not believe in it. Um, I think that if you just wear better shoes and don't sit all day, you're going to be fine. 
And if reflexology makes you feel even better, do it. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Acupuncture? All these modalities will work for certain people when done by certain people who are skilled at those modalities. So as a physio, I did dry needling and acupuncture. Um, for some people, it worked amazingly. For others, it didn't, um, even though my delivery was the same. So it's so, con it's so context dependent. Like, I really like to think of knowledge. Um, I have this heuristic called the tree of knowledge. I look at knowledge like a tree. So you have the roots, you have the trunk, branches, and the leaves. And the leaves are really highly contextual things that are so case dependent, they don't actually mean a whole lot. And I think actually most research done, I put on the leaves. So I take it with a grain of salt because it's like humans are really complex. We don't even really know completely how we work. So it's really hard to study humans in a meaningful way and extract results to be like, oh, it's definitely gonna work for me. It's like, well, did you read how the study was done? Because I got drilled with that in physio school, research methodology. I spent hours of energy trying to understand like, how do I actually determine whether the methodology they used makes the results they achieved true and even furthermore applicable to me, right? That's really fucking hard. Most people don't have the bandwidth for that. Most people don't even get beyond results, like abstract results and conclusion. And so, you know, that's really just trust. You're not verifying. Most people don't have the means to verify whether research is actually done right. And it turns out most research, research, although well-intentioned, is shit because it's so hard to control variables in humans that it's like pretty hard to take that as truth, right? Your subjective ex lived experience is probably going to be a better indicator of truth. Um, why, what did we get on to talking about? What are we talking about? I, I pinged acupuncture at you. P yeah, acupuncture. So for the right, so... I focus on the trunk and the roots and I don't care much for the branches and the leaves because it's so specific. So whether acupuncture works for someone or not is kind of a leaf thing. Um, if you trust someone and they are skilled at that modality and they understand your issue and they want to try acupuncture and you can honestly see if it works or not, it might work really well. It might not work. So it's really hard to do a blanket statement. It works for some people. I witnessed it in my life as a therapist work really well on some people. I also witnessed mm -hmm. it do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Interesting. And so what depends on the application, not the modality. What foot, what footwear should we be wearing? I, I've seen a lot of Bitcoiners, uh, Francis being one. Uh, I see you wearing the bull Bitcoin hat. Uh, he loves the, um, the foot glove things, the five finger, yes. whatever you call them. Um, yeah. What, what, what's the word, you know, like when we, when we get, because we all have several different pairs of shoes, right? It drives me nuts, yeah. you know, family of six. I, I can't tell you how many freaking shoes we have in here. Yes. Um, I was one of those people, by the way. I had shitloads of shoes. I loved shoes. Right. I was kind of like primed for this because I was a shoe shoe head. Uh, and also that come, that like intersected with this realization that, oh my God, all my shoes are terrible. These are mm -hmm. like, I, they can be things I like to look at, but I should never wear these things. So um, what should we be wearing? Yeah, that's a good question that we got a lot. And one of the first things I did with the Foot Collective was, was like, I kind of realized like, okay, I'm telling people these features to look for in shoes. And these people are coming back to me like, these shoes don't exist, bud. Like, you can <laughs> tell me all you want. If I can't buy them, I can't wear them. I'm like, all right, well, never in my wildest dreams would I have wanted to get into footwear retailing, which is the biggest nightmare industry ever. It was just so many variables and nonsense. The way they make shoes is fucking stupid but they're so deep into it that until they have 
until people say, I don't want to buy these shit shoes, make them better. Like, why don't we harmonize sizing? That's a good start. Like I, we even had a side pro skunk works project where we 3d printed the last and created a brand new sizing system based on centimeters so that anyone with a ruler can determine what size mm -hmm. shoe they need. That'd be uh, nice length and width, but just, you know, it's hard to get lift off on these things with a bootstrap budget. Um, so we started the foot collective dot store. It's a website where the only thing we sell is natural footwear. So it's not like, oh, I wonder if this shoe's good or not. It's like, no, no, no. Anything we we try and get a wide variety of styles and brands and shoes for different purposes. And it has all gone through a pretty tight filter of aligning with natural foot function. So the foot collective dot store is our mm -hmm. current main site. And we have stores in like Australia, different places in the world. Um, but I never like telling people what shoes to buy. I like helping people understand heuristics to know what kind of shoes they should be looking for, right? It's put footwear in a continuum, natural, unnatural. Mm -hmm. The most natural uh, is no shoes, but you know, the closest thing to no shoes is shoes that do not inhibit foot function in any way. And then- Okay, the so uh, uh, wait, uh, have I on a flip-flops okay? Because I've been wearing those all summer and I generally I do. This, but uh oh, any <laughs> anything with an ankle strap, put it this way. If I told you to go in a full sprint with Havaianas, yeah, how do you think that would go? I mean, like, there's no ankle strap. That not it wouldn't it would not go well. Yes. So there is some sort of trade off you're making. All you have to do is to a flip flop is add an ankle strap that anchors it so that your big toe doesn't have to push itself down when it should be extending to keep the sandal on and they're okay. But flip-flops, no bueno. They actually fuck up foot mechanics hugely. Oh man. Sorry. I know that was going to be a tough one to tell you. Um, yeah. So, so the four things to look for to determine right. where a shoe fits on the continuum so that I want to arm people with heuristics so they can go and evaluate any shoe. They can put it through the filter of like, is it natural or unnatural? Where on the continuum does it sit? And it's not like you can, you only, it's not like you have to throw out all your unnatural shoes and buy only natural shoes. Mm -hmm. What you should strive to do is every time you buy a new pair of shoes, make sure it's further along the continuum towards the natural side. And before you know it, you got a lot of natural footwear and, and it's actually more important to eliminate the super unnatural footwear than it is to go like extreme continuum barefoot five fingers or whatever. Mm -hmm. So four F's, that's the heuristic, the four F's Okay. flat. So the heel is no higher than the forefoot. Most shoes have an elevated heel that messes with our entire posture. Like think of the body like a Jenga stack. If you put a wedge under one side of the Jenga stack, a whole lot of blocks have to get rearranged to make sure it doesn't fall over, right? Mm -hmm. That is a good metaphor for what the body has to do if we have a lift under our heels, okay? Humans are supposed to be on flat ground by a flat shoe. So the first F is flat. The second one is flexible. The human foot is designed, to, it has 26 bones, 33 joints. Why does, why does nature evolve joints, Dan? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of a joint? To give us movement. Exactly. So those joints aren't there just for shits. There's, so that tells you there's supposed to be a lot of movement in the foot. And the reason is the foot's a really dynamic structure. And if the foot can adapt, those stress forces don't have to go get launched up to your knee, which is not designed to handle a whole lot of variability, right? It's like a hinge on a door, one way mm -hmm. or the other way. If your foot stiff as a block, all of the uncertain um, footing goes to your knee and just destroys your knee. So flexible. If you can take a shoe and twist it and crumple it up, it's good. If a shoe is stiff as a board, it's going to make your foot stiff as a board and that's going to have consequences. So flat, flexible. Um, 
I like the term feel the ground, which really just means a thin sole. The thinner the sole, the better. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one, which actually maybe I should have mentioned first because it's the most important, is foot shaped. Hmm. Hey, look at the shape of your foot. Look at the shape of the shoe. If they don't align, you're going to have problems because the foot will be forced to adapt to the shape of the shoe. So foot shaped, flat, flexible, feel the ground, which really just means as thin of a sole as possible to protect your foot from cuts and scrapes, but still allowing you to feel as much as possible, even like a small pebble. You want to be able to feel that, right? It's like if you wear natural shoes, life is reflexology. Yeah. Because when you walk on a tree root or a rock or whatever, you're getting all these pressure points, um, you know, touched in your foot. But if you have something, if you're wearing Birkenstocks, you're not feeling shit, <laughs> right? It's like you're wearing a board on your foot that doesn't allow you to feel shit and doesn't allow your foot to move. And yet Birkenstocks are prescribed by the fiat knowers of foot health. Riddle me that. That's a weird one. So yeah, it's like uh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it's really uncomfortable, but it's way better when you know the truth. So to all y'all Bitcoiners, like I got your back when it comes to feet. I, I've been exploring yeah. this shit for a long time. And it's like, there's not much more to explore. Just do the simple things. And we want to integrate Bitcoin into that store, into all our stores, actually. It's just a bandwidth issue of like, okay, we have a really small team. You know, we're gonna have to figure shit out to really expand that. But ideally we would accept sats for payments. Although most people, if you're like me, I don't like giving up my sats. Um, yeah, but, but when, like there's a difference between selling your Bitcoin and spending your Bitcoin. You're right. Uh, I you're right. I would absolutely love to check out your 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 shoes here, and I am already as we're talking. And <laughs> it, it, it's I see you've got full footwear, so you've you've got the whole range. You've got autumn, winter, athletic. Uh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, we've been doing this for four years. So I started selling shoes out of my basement. I. I begged one of the biggest natural footwear companies with like almost 10 emails uh, to basically beg them to let me buy their shoes and resell them out of my basement. That's how it started. And now uh, we do a good amount of sales. We're like, I think the biggest natural footwear retailer that I know of and I've looked. So, you know, there was this phase in clothing called athleisure where like everyone went from super weird, stiff clothing mm -hmm. to and pants and gym shorts yeah like that was a there was a fashion shift there and i think we're on the cusp of like an athleisure shift in footwear over the next decade because people are realizing you know like if we put the good software out there to let people know the truth about footwear they will want natural footwear and if we can provide the best purchase experience for people who want natural footwear and do it with integrity and transparency and honesty um we're going to help a lot of people restore foot health. If I put a shoe on your foot that aligns with foot function, every step you take is like me helping your foot function get restored. Right? And people so, can literally restore like bunions or um, yes. the, really? Dude, like the, 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 their, big toe, their big toe will just straighten up over time? Yeah, the overtime piece is the question, right? Like how right. much time? Because if you spend a mm -hmm. decade destroying your feet, it's not going away in a week. <laughs> but I think what I was getting at before with like the adaptability of this piece of tech, we all inhabit and don't realize it, right? These formula one cars mm -hmm. that we inhabit is like, it adapts mm -hmm. all the time. doesn't matter how old you are, how fucked up you are. It adapts all the time. All you need to focus on is giving it the right inputs and removing the harmful inputs in your body. Auto like my three first principles of health, which is the foundation for everything I do and teach or 
share is the body's a self-healing system. It literally heals itself. It's pretty magical. The body's a self-organizing system. It orients around the inputs we give it non-judgmentally. It's like a dog, very predictable, um, which makes it uncomfortable because then you realize, wow, I'm the one messing my body up if it's messed up, right? So self-healing, self-organizing. And then one of my favorite principles, and if you can really understand this principle deeply, and it's a really simple one, you can under, you can unravel most issues with the body because you, you kind of understand this very pivotal, very important relationship with physiology. And that is the said principle S A I D specific adaptation to impose demand. I'll give you a context example of that. If my biceps are weak, I want stronger biceps, I want bigger muscles, stronger muscles. The specific adaptation I'm seeking is stronger biceps. The imposed demand required to yield that specific adaptation is loading my biceps. So I do bicep curls. That's the imposed demand. The specific adaptation is my biceps specifically get stronger as a result of that imposed demand. So, you know, if you put shoes through the said principle, let's just do it for the one of the F's like flexible. If you wear inflexible shoes, the imposed demand of a shoe that doesn't allow your foot to move results in a specific adaptation of a foot that cannot move. Mm. Very simple. So those are really like all you need to know. That's what we teach in health kit. That's what we teach in foot training. like first principles so that people can think for themselves and reason through first principles instead of just having layers of bullshit that they were taught. You know, when you try and decipher that noise, it's very hard, right? Like what is truth? What is good information. 99% of what I find on the internet is noise and bullshit. Like, how do I find truth? Well, you need to know the first principles, which we can agree on unequivocally. Those are the roots of the tree. And then you build your own heuristics, which is the trunk. And then you explore your own branches and you see what your own leaves are, but you must start with good first principles. And so when we teach, you know, the whole impetus with health kit was, okay, well, I understand feet. Like I'm confident that anyone that has a foot problem, I don't care who they are. Uh, if they're open to learning and putting in the energy, I can help them. So how do we put that into a digital product? Well, it really aligns with the old saying, like give a man a fish and he eats for a day, teach him to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Like what we wanted to do with HealthKit is give everyone the teaching lesson on how to fish. How do you, I don't want to tell you what to do to restore your feet because I don't fucking know. You don't know. None of us know. But I know the process. So if I can teach you the process, then you can figure out those answers. Or you can keep spending money on paying people that are claiming to give you the answers, but they can't possibly give you the answers because they don't know. Only you know, only you can find out. So that's really what we're trying to do is like empower people with an understanding so they can engage with the process of health instead of pretending like we can fix them because we can't. But the people who pay a lot of money for degrees saying they could fix them don't really want to admit that. Some do. Right? Like we in the foot nerd program, we have doctors, we have, we have a, we have a couple dentists, we have tons of health professionals, physios, chiro, massage therapists, reflexologists, like all these people come together in this community to have really cool discussions. Um, we have this thing called the dialogue covenant, which is really just rules of engagement for how to have productive disagreement. And that is so important for the learning we do to kind of distill health intelligence, right? We have this 300,000 person network of people on Instagram. We put out education. We see their feedback. That's like raw data for health intelligence. And we have this community of people who paid to say, I want to learn this stuff and I'm going to pay with my money and my time and my energy to engage with other people. 
they kind of distill the intelligence into wisdom. And then we plug that wisdom into health kit so that everyone can take ownership of their shit. And I think that's how health needs to happen in future. And that is the Bitcoin way that is built. That is completely aligned with Bitcoin. Whereas the fiat disease care system is actually incentivized to never solve health problems, which is kind of how we get to where we are today, which is yep. a bloody disaster. Big yep. opportunity though. Big opportunity. Yeah, it certainly is, mate. We got seven minutes left. Sounds good. How quick can you explain your rabbit hole story? And then I've got one last question. Yeah. You're busting that on me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm up for a challenge. You got got seven minutes to to like nutshell your Bitcoin rabbit hole story. Then I'm going to ask you the final question. All right. I need a sec to gather my brain. All right. Three chapters. First chapter, as a physio, treating a software engineer for a shoulder problem. Big surprise. Spends all day at a computer. Mm Mm-hmm. Keeps talking to me about Bitcoin. Got so annoyed that I couldn't hold a conversation. Bought a Bitcoin for $140 Canadian in 2015-ish. Um, started working when I was really young. Grandfather saw me pissing away all my money. Basically said, I'm going to teach you about money. He was a value investor. You know, uh, the intelligent investor, Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham. Got me into all that stuff. I got sucked in. I loved it. So I had a curiosity about money. Had an inclination that money as we're doing it is messed up and i think that's what made me you know after i first uh heard about bitcoin from that patient i started to kind of like ebb and flow i'd go through fits and spurts where i get really interested i'd learn a lot i would stack um and then i would just kind of drop off my radar because you know life was more important that was phase one that was chapter one and that went to probably january 2020 where i'm a uh, one of the capital allocators for the health network. We're saving up for bigger projects. We want to build an app. We want to, we have like a small regenerative um, soil project that we want to do. And like they're big investments. So we got to start saving. We have a pool of capital. Uh, get gut punched with the idea that the Canadian government just diluted our savings by 18 and a half percent in one year because they just printed a shitload of money from Jan 20 to 21. Go down the Michael Saylor rabbit hole, obsession level, Every hour I could, I'm learning about Bitcoin. I'm realizing, oh, fuck, this is like the solution to the problem we have, followed Sailor's playbook, and in the process, realized that the health problem is really just a superficial symptom of the money problem. So chapter three, which I'm still in, I would say, was December 12th, 2021. There's a lot of 21s there. Wow. Um, no, December 21st, 2021. Right. I remember that. Like, this is deeply ingrained in my brain. And that was the day I decided to go full-time into Bitcoin. Because I'm like, well, I'm spending all this time trying to solve a problem. That's a derivative of the money problem. The money problem solved. People just need to understand it. I should probably work on that because that's what I'm obsessed with anyway. So started a podcast called the Bitcoin Stoa. Um, you know, focus on orange pilling. How can I be the best orange pillar I can be? And who can I learn from to, to gain those skills? Um, and that's where i am today and now i really enjoy connecting the dots of what i learned in the health world with what i'm learning in bitcoin and seeing all these commonalities of like you know health is energy health is conservation of energy health is proof of work like all these concepts just like start to connect and really the reason i started the stoa podcast was to have conversations with really smart people i could learn from and if if the energy of putting those conversations out into the world was the payment i had to make to have conversations with those people that's how i met 
like before the convoy, I had done a podcast with Greg Foss. I had done one with Jeff Booth. You know, I, I got to be in conversation with these amazing, incredibly smart humans, which I was like, wow, is this even real? This is amazing. Um, and yeah, now it's about finding out like, how can I be most useful to Bitcoin? Um, so the convoy was something that I could be useful to Bitcoin. And now it's just, you know, I'm going to Croatia to my, to visit a friend called Pavao in Rab. I know. Uh, well. Music did a great video. Let's yep. check out his orange pilling project and just go. I want to just go to where I'm needed to do work that I find meaningful. So I don't know what that means yet, but I'm still like a primary advisor for the health network for their Bitcoin. So they cover my living expenses. And if I can propose a project to them that benefits humanity, they'll even cover my travel expenses. So all my work is value for value. If I help people, they pay me if they have the means. And uh, I'm just going to flow with it until, you know, it's fucking awesome, dude. It's such a treat to live at this time. And, you know, I've been very lucky with everything I've done. Um, so that's my story. Two minutes to spare. I love it. Well, <laughs> if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Oh, fuck, I knew this was coming and I didn't think about it enough beforehand. <laughs> if I had one orange pill, what does that orange pill do? Like, is that it the person I give it to is fully in? Fully in. Yeah. Everything you've learned about Bitcoin distilled into one orange pill and you can give it to one person. That's it. One shot deal. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm literally getting stumped right now because of how intimidating this question is because there's so many options. Assuming that person, like that person doesn't know about Bitcoin yet. Are we assuming that? Maybe. Maybe that Michael Taylor's pillar... the best orange pillar in the world. He is. He's the best so orange if there's pillar. There's one in the person world. that I would want to get that special orange pill. I mean, it's not my knowledge. It's like he's got way more knowledge, but like I think that may be the biggest, like he is such a powerful role model, how he comports himself. His he's a savant level genius. Um I think Bukele is having is doing maybe the most important work in Bitcoin that we may not appreciate for a long time because he's building, he's risking his life to build a template for the rest of the world to follow, to show this is possible. So if I had to give it to someone, uh, if I had to give it to someone that doesn't know about Bitcoin, I would give it to Mr. Biden, I think. Um, whether or not his brain can, you know, what's left up there, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> poor dude, like I feel for the dude, but well, the United States first. can lead the world with sound money. The rest of the world will follow. The United States right. is already leading the world in the world of money with some weird, corrupt, parasitic system, if they could just flip that switch and go to a sound money, the rest of the world will surely follow and we'll get there way quicker. So I would give it to, to Joey B. Maybe he should take care of himself first. Maybe we should have like a competent person there, but I'd give it to the president of the United States because I think that is like, that would be a big, a big burst. Has anyone ever asked you that question? Yeah, a few times. What's your answer? Uh, I, I've, I've stuck with the same answer. I need to, I need to upgrade it, but it's still Greta just because I'd love to see her. <laughs> I'd love That's to see answer, actually. Yeah. I'd love to see her do a U-turn on climate change and then orange pill, uh, you know, settle all of the 18 year old down to five year old minds. She's polluted and mm. turn around and say, you know what? Forget anything I've said for the last three years, the planet's not going to fall out of the sky. And we, 
now fix the world. We can um, just use sound money. Uh, and I, I think that generation needs it and they would listen to her. And, you know, I think too much damage has been done with all of her, not her puppet masters obviously have the most to answer for, but right. um, <laughs> I've seen the time and I know we got to go. Uh, huge. Right, we, we can go, we can go five more minutes. It's all huge, good. huge shout out to you, man, for everything that you did down on the ground there in Ottawa uh, we were watching, we were cheering you on, we were sending you sats, and, um, you know, you, you stood up to the goons, the feds, whoever, and you're still kicking, and you're still running your business, and you're still doing things for Bitcoin, and you've started your own podcast. It's it's just uh, massive kudos. And, and thanks for reaching out. Thanks for popping up in the DMs and, and asking to come on the show. Uh, and I'm looking forward to listening to yours now. Um, now that's just another one I've got to put on my playlist. There's so much content now. Like I remember in the early days, I would just, you know, Antonopoulos was the dude I would listen to. Yep. And if I look at the information ecosystem now, it's like not about finding things. It's about, I only have a certain amount of energy. Like <laughs> yes. what are the, what is the cream of the crop? And it's, you know, it's very hard to, it's very hard to distill that or, or um, create a constraint around that. So thank you for what you do. I mean, you're part of that ecosystem. And I've listened to a bunch of your conversations and I love how real they are. And I think um, we're all doing what we can. I just did what I could, you know, others would have done what I did in the same situation. So I, you know, I think the truckers are the ones that I think anyone should thank if we are gonna thank anyone. Um, but it's an honor to serve Bitcoin. You know, yeah. my life is totally different and so much better with Bitcoin. So the least I can do is if I can repay a fraction of what Bitcoin has done for me through by being in service for it for us for the rest of my life with work that I find deep meaning in and that creates wonderful relationships for me, it's like that's a no-brainer. It's a no brainer. No brainer. How can people find you, mate, before we uh before we close this down? Uh nobody caribou on Twitter, Bitcoin Stoa. Uh, it's a value for value community funded platform. We don't do ads or sponsors. It's all fountains blowing my mind. Still the fact yeah. that magic internet money actually exists <laughs> um, and is usable. Uh, and then the foot collective, if anyone, if any Bitcoiners out there got foot problems, uh, the foot collective.com, our flagship is health kit. If you have foot problems, that's how you take ownership of it. And uh, yeah, much love to everyone listening. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Thank Lauren for that wonderful intro and uh look forward to connecting in real life at some point i i would be very wary you, you might wake up tomorrow well no when when this airs you might wake up the day after with dms full of people's feet <laughs> asking yeah for... don't send me dms about feet i'm just going to send you to the foot collector um <laughs> yeah but just wear good shoes wear good shoes and don't sit in a chair all fucking day and just like you're gonna be, you're gonna do just fine Love just it. believe that your body is an incredible piece of tech just don't bring your caravan on the rally track and you know get your shit together i love it all right man well thanks for doing this and uh yeah look forward to chatting again soon cool brother take care of yourself see you well guys what did you think of that that was out of left field from nobody caribou what a dude i loved both parts of that episode it was basically an hour of each thing getting into what was going on down at ground zero during the freedom convoy it sounded amazing and again huge kudos for what you did along with the other guys that were involved 
in that movement, mate. Uh, you know, we were all watching, as I said, from this side of the pond and around the world and, and rooting for everybody and sending in sats. Uh, it was a very difficult thing to handle. I'm really sorry that you went through that invasion in your own home. Nobody should ever have to face that, especially when all you are trying to do is help people in a fair and just manner. And that is exactly what Bitcoin is here to do. So when you do get that overreach, it's very shocking and it's very eye-opening for all of us. You know, the the saying, you know, to, to fend off a $5 wrench attack by a $10 wrench doesn't really apply when you've got the feds beating down your door. So you do need to look into other options and yeah it, it kind of ties into my own little journey into the world of you know in air quotes privacy or, or coin joining uh as you know i've been on this path you can check that out for yourself i urge you to do your own research of course if you want to check out the service wasabi offers it's wasabi.io and you know tread cautiously send in a few sats see how it works get used to the feeling see if this is something you want to pursue and if it is dive in a little deeper connect with those people that are already doing it read blogs from people that are in the privacy rabbit hole protect yourselves uh it's obviously something caribou here has had a very very up close look at so and of course i loved the rip about health I think we're all here for that and if any of you are suffering from any kind of ailments that might be linked to your feet just take a picture of your feet and dm them to nobody caribou he won't mind i guarantee you he's already on to mine so <laughs> sorry brother if that if that fools up your dms uh please make sure you're stacking some sats you know who to use swan bitcoin in the us relay and coin corner stack safe get them on a hardware wallet shift crypto.ch forward slash bitten buy some books for your friends and family consensus network and get yourself a cool t-shirt at ungovernable misfits thank you everybody for listening catch you on the next show